But all this water that you're seeing out here is three to four feet and it shouldn't be there. A closer look at flood ravaged Abbotsford as the floodgates are fully open and the main dike breach has been sealed. Plus, we're volunteering our time, but um, fuel prices are expensive. <laughs> the incredible effort by dozens of pilots and community groups working around the clock to get food and supplies to affected communities. And I'm super excited to be able to access gas. Some BC border communities get the green light to gas up stateside without a PCR test, but it's not for everyone. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Crews have managed to stop the flow of water from rushing into the Sumas Prairie in flood-stricken Abbotsford, but the race to fix multiple breaches of the city's dike continues. As Grace Key reports, the concern remains on whether the compromised infrastructure can withstand another storm forecast later in the week. The floodgates at the Barrowtown pump station are now fully open, and that means water is flowing straight from the Sumas River into the Fraser River, with the station operating at full capacity. The major breach between Marion and Number 4 is sealed, but work continues. It needs to be reinforced another three metres in height. 700 truckloads of material have already been brought in, with another 700 on the way. The smaller breach at Coal Road is also sealed, and the work almost done. The dike repair work that has now reached a point where the water from the Sumas River is no longer flowing into the Sumas Prairie Lake bottom. Although there is much more work that still needs to be completed to reinforce the dike as the Sumas River levels are now rising due to the fact that the water is no longer flowing into Sumas Prairie Lake bottom. With all these efforts, by early Sunday morning, water levels dropped by three inches on the eastern portion of the Sumas Prairie. Engineers have looked at all accessible bridges, 70 kilometers of roads and 158 culverts. Work continues on the drinking water system. Despite all the progress, residents are still a long way from being out of danger. We're going to get between 80 and 100 millimeters of water in the next four days. If it's spread out over four days and the water doesn't come back over the border, I, I think I, I'm optimistic that the system is currently working the way it's supposed to. So uh, our fingers are crossed. The local state of emergency has also been extended for another week to November 29th, as all eyes will be on the weather. Grace Key, Global News. And on that note, meteorologist Yvonne Schell is joining us now. So Yvonne, just what can we expect from the storm that's headed to southern BC later this week? Yeah, and we've got a number of systems that we're going to be tracking. That'll be additional rainfall amounts, and that'll make the situation worse, especially for the flooded areas across the southern half of the province already. Now, the system along the northern half of the have more coming up in just a moment, especially for the flood watch, but it's going to work its way along the south coast and propose a threat for tomorrow. Not a significant amount of rain, but we are seeing anywhere between 15 and up to 20 millimeters. That's we're anticipating for tomorrow and then very windy conditions as we get in towards the evening. So additional rainfall amounts for tomorrow. That'll be the first wave. We'll have a bit of a break on Tuesday, but a heads up. This is what we're looking ahead on Thursday and potentially into Friday. This will be the big storm that we're tracking that could bring a significant amount of rain. Right now, 
now a few models are suggesting 15, potentially up to 60 millimeters. This will be Thursday leading into Friday. So be prepared. We do have additional rainfall amounts as we get in towards this week. Later on in the work week, especially approaching our Thursday. That'll be the storm that we're keeping an eye on and the rainfall that we're tracking for tomorrow. Now we still have a flood watch for the northern half of the province. Wet and windy conditions that coming up in Maine weather shortly. Nithu? All right. Thank you so much for that, Yvonne. A note for students in Chilliwack and in Abbotsford. All public schools in Chilliwack are reopening tomorrow. In Abbotsford, Barrowtown Elementary and Upper Sumas Elementary remain closed, while the remaining schools in the district are either conducting virtual learning or in-person learning. Parents and guardians are advised to check with their individual schools for details. And Merritt's 7,000 residents remain on evacuation order, but some may be able to return home soon as the city works to repair damaged infrastructure. 49 volunteers spent the weekend assessing homes in Merritt's flood inundation zone. Houses and vehicles have been destroyed, streets are severely damaged, a bridge has collapsed and the river has been rerouted. The city is categorizing properties as green, yellow and red. Plans are being made to allow access to green properties. Owners of yellow property homes will be next, while red properties will likely remain evacuated for an extended period. Floodwaters also caused the city's wastewater treatment plant to be inoperable. Work is underway to fix the damage and test the drinking water. Crews are working to clear the sewage pipes of debris which infiltrated the system. Our water system was contaminated when one of the pumps pulled flood water into the system. As a result, water is not consumable and the entire distribution system needs to be flushed and inspected for safety. When you come home, Merritt will not look how it did when you left. We are focused on the critical infrastructure to get you home as soon as possible. The Emergency Operations Centre is planning for the partial rescinding of the evacuation order for areas of the city that were not directly affected by flooding. A mammoth volunteer operation was launched last week in the immediate wake of the disaster and continues this weekend to get essential supplies to communities cut off by floodwaters and landslides. Kamil Karmali has more on that story. They move like a well-oiled machine. As soon as donations show up to the Langley Airport, they jump into action, grabbing goods, moving them with precision and speed, stacking them sky high, fill every nook and cranny, and then inside small planes. I want to squeeze as many light items in the back here as I possibly can. All the essentials food, water, blankets, clothes. We've been getting donations pretty much every single day. A mishmash of volunteer groups. You turn around, there's another truck. You turn around, there's another truck. So it's really cool. Delivering thousands of supplies to the flood-ravaged areas of BC. It's a huge bunch of, like, huge. It can make me cry. Like, I'm serious. Like, it's pretty hard for me. When the floods first hit, Sean Heap started a small operation. Three airplanes delivering donated goods. A few days later, 24 pilots and two helicopters are now continuously flying back and forth between hard-hit areas at all hours of the day. And it's growing and growing. Like Every day it's like that much more, which is awesome. 
The donated supplies have been coming from every corner of the Lower Mainland. It's good to see like everybody working together for like a common cause. Sikh community members playing a big role in those efforts. Uh, as a human, we have to support each other, right? Collectively, we collect about 55,000 uh, pounds uh, stuff, all kind of stuff. About half of Sunday's donations were sent to indigenous communities surrounding Merit. It's a big help um, with uh, the community. Um, we have some that are definitely stranded with the Highway 8 going out. But these pilots are running out of gas, quite literally. It's costing them $300 in fuel costs per round trip, money that's coming out of their own pockets. We're volunteering our time, but um, fuel prices are expensive. <laughs> Lucky for them, people have already started wiring in money to help now that their former small-time operation has taken flight. Kamal Kramali, Global News. Highway 1 between Hope and Highway 9 east of Chilliwack reopened to essential traffic last night. The Ministry of Transportation says crews are working to clear debris and repair roads, while the section of Highway 1 through Bridal Falls and Popcomb does not fall under the current travel restrictions. Drivers are being asked to limit travel for only essential purposes while cleanup continues. Local nonprofits and service groups are working to help hundreds of migrant workers displaced by flooding in the Fraser Valley. The Migrant Rights Network says an estimated 700 of the up to 4,000 migrants who normally work on farms in and around Abbotsford are now staying in shelters or being housed in homes that escaped damage from high water. Many of the migrants, who are from Guatemala, Mexico, Jamaica and the Philippines, have lost everything except their passports. If they can't work, they can't send money back to their families in their home countries. Because they aren't on open work permits, they're also ineligible for EI, even though they pay into it. Watari Family Services, along with Sanctuary Health and Khalsa Aid, delivered donations of traditional comfort food to seasonal migrant workers in Abbotsford this past Thursday. They are stuck on the farms and um, some of them have been forced to work in these conditions and they're running out of food supplies. Some farm workers have been rescued. Um, they can't stay on the property anymore, but they've lost all their supplies, everything that they have, so they have nothing. Hopefully the different consulates uh, can uh, have these discussions with the federal government. As uh, in, in terms of the Migrant Rights Network, we will be also communicating with the federal government saying you have to find a way to provide emergency EI for them. Fundraisers have been set up through Migrant Rights Network and Watari with the help of Khalsa Aid. There are high hopes that some of the supply chain routes and infrastructure damaged during last week's atmospheric river will be reconnected. Keith Baldry is joining us now for more on that. So, Keith, what should we be looking out for later this week? Well, hopefully it's good news. Fingers crossed. Need to. The, again, I spent most of the weekend talking to cabinet ministers about the supply chain issue. There, are, there is reason for hope. Uh, the supply chain is not broken, but it's going to become more robust, hopefully, as the week progresses. Here's some major developments we expect. Again, the key word expect. That CP rail service restored midweek. That will result in essential goods moving again on that rail line on a 24-7 basis. So that's uh, good news there. Also a chance that some U.S. fuel-loaded barges will begin to 
to arrive, uh, providing some relief on the gasoline front. But the real one that's really ho hopeful is Trans Mountain on Friday said it expects its pipeline to be operational by the end of the week. Some of it is submerged, but they're working overtime to restore the, the flow of gasoline again into largely Metro Vancouver. So reason to hope that the supply line, which was damaged, of course, with uh, the catastrophic levels of water, is going to start opening and goods and services will begin to flow in much more normal time. So again, those are expectations for the rest of the week. But again, as Yvonne pointed out, more water, weather and water coming in. So we'll see if that affects some of the expectations that I just outlined. Absolutely. But for now, some hopeful signs indeed. Thanks for that, Keith. It's the news the provincial government and residents in B.C. communities bordering Washington state were hoping for. The federal government is lifting the PCR test requirement for short-term trips to the U.S. immediately. This is in response to the gas rationing and supply chain issues from last week's storm. But as Paul Johnson reports, there are still some restrictions. If scenes like this have spiked your blood pressure... You may be happy to know the government has come through with a workaround that may take some of the pressure off the gasoline supply. BC's Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth lobbied Ottawa this weekend for this. It will allow people to go across the border uh, for essential goods, in particular gasoline, and to be able to come across uh, back into Canada without that uh, PCR test. For the first time since the pandemic closed the Canada-US border in March of 2020, Starting Sunday night, residents of the Lower Mainland can drive south to fill up on gas and get groceries. For British Columbians in areas where gas rationing is not happening, they'll still have to wait until Ottawa drops the PCR test requirement for short trips November 30th. But for those now digging out their Nexus cards, keep this in mind. It does not include family trips, vacations, or, 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 or other types of uh, tourist activity. For those in border communities like South Surrey, whom this would be most convenient for, the news was well received. I think this is absolutely fantastic. It's about time. We've been waiting for the border to open for some time, be able to get across, get this kind of stuff, especially with what's going on. It's fantastic. I think it'll allow more people to be able to access gas and no lineups, as well as maybe shortage in food. Back to the specter of shortage. Farnworth's update with us Sunday night had progress in re-establishing our broken transportation links still on track. And he believes the current gasoline rationing program will be adequate to see us through. I am confident that the plan that we have in place uh, will ensure that there is enough gasoline uh, to ensure that not only are uh, emergency services uh, protected, that our transport systems are protected, being able to move goods and to where they need to be, but also for the general public. Paul Johnson, Global News. After the break, a man who had just moved to Vancouver is among the mudslide victims. He was a big family man and worked hard, played hard. What we're learning about the father of three and how he's being remembered. Plus... To them, it means, it means everything as well. Why the military mission to help flood-affected communities in B.C. is a personal one for some Edmonton soldiers. A former Calgary man who had just moved to Vancouver has been identified by friends as one of the victims of the landslide on Duffy Lake Road. Carolyn Curry de Castillo has more on how the father of three is being remembered. Stephen Taylor was well-known in Calgary's rugby community, described as an intimidating opponent, but a softy on the inside. He's a character larger than life. Um, he was just one of these people who would 
uh, go out of his way to help anyone. Dean Hopkins knew Stephen through their many years playing rugby together in Calgary. He was like a brother to me. Stephen had recently moved to Vancouver for work and had a construction job north of the city. He was on his way home last Monday. His wife phoned me on Monday evening. She'd spoken to him that morning, but he'd not returned home. A few days later, Dean got another call from Stephen's wife, this time with the devastating news that Stephen was one of the victims recovered from the mudslide on Highway 99. He was a big family man and worked hard, played harder. He was loved by a lot of people. Those in Calgary's rugby community say Stephen had a big impact both on and off the pitch. His happiness was infectious uh, across uh, everybody. Knowing that he had moved out there just recently to BC um, to, to go for work to, uh, to support his family, it's just heartbreaking. Players new to the sport say Stephen was a mentor to many. He taught me most of what I know about the game. He took me under his wing. Uh, like a father to me, big brother. He was a hard-working Calgarian um, from the working class. A fundraiser has been set up to help Stephen's wife and three kids. Friends are confident that his rugby family will come through with the same big heart Stephen had for those around him. I am going to move mountains to try and help her and assist her by utilizing the generosity of the rugby community, not just in our city, but in our province and in BC. Carolyn Curry, De Castillo, Global News. And an online fundraiser has been set up for the two-year-old daughter of Mursad and Anita Hadzik. The couple was among those killed in last Monday's slide near Lillooet. Relatives of the Hadzik family have set up a GoFundMe to raise money for the young girl's education and her future. Some of the Canadian Armed Forces' help with flood relief are based in Edmonton. Chris Chacon explains why this mission is a personal one. Ever since the call came in to help British Columbians dealing with Mother Nature's worst, Edmonton's 408 Tactical Helicopter Squadron was more than ready and willing to help. To them it means, it means everything as well. They, we have people who are, who are from BC or grew up in BC and they are uh, they're extremely, uh, extremely excited and, and willing uh, to go and, and help in, Canadians in their time of needs. Lieutenant Colonel Jim Shuchuk says so far two helicopters with roughly 15 soldiers from his squadron have been deployed. They have delivered uh, 6,000 pounds of food this week, food and fuel to, to a First Nations community that was, that was cut off from, uh, from its uh, supply chains. They're also doing reconnaissance including search and rescues. Right now because the province is continuing to develop their understanding of uh, the overall uh, risk and dangers within the province. Uh, we, we're standing by ready to provide them any assistance they may require, and if that is more troops, then we will. Twelve Canadian Forces aircrafts are already in BC, and more than 500 troops have been deployed. We provide a lot of, uh, frankly, able-bodied young soldiers who can do a lot of just labour, so it gives the province a ready pool to do things like build sandbag walls, uh, which is one of the tasks that's currently ongoing in uh, in Abbotsford. Major Matthew John says military experts are also in place to help people navigate the terrain destroyed by floods. We bring our own experts. So, for example, the engineers from one Canadian engineer regiment uh, can work with local specialists on the ground to assist with estimates on uh, road clearance, uh, infrastructure stability, things like that. BC has not asked for more supports, but troops in Edmonton are on standby. 
I know they're ready and, and, and excited to, to assist and uh, they, they will do great work and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to serve Canadians in their time of need. Chris Chacon, Global News. And still ahead, moving into the next phase of the country's immunization campaign as the first batch of COVID-19 vaccines for kids arrives in Canada. Plus, a desperate plea from a patient waiting for a procedure at a hospital facing multiple COVID-19 outbreaks. The first doses of Pfizer-BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine for younger children arrived in Canada today. The shipment landed at the Hamilton International Airport late this afternoon. Health Canada authorized a lower-dose vaccine for kids aged 5 to 11 on Friday following a month-long safety and efficacy review of Pfizer data. The regulator says this vaccine is 90.7% effective at preventing COVID-19 in children and produced no identified serious side effects. BC and Alberta have adopted pre-registration systems to help get shots into kids' arms, but a detailed rollout plan has yet to be announced. Another provincial government vaccine mandate goes into effect on Monday, one that directly impacts all their employees. The provincial government is B.C.'s largest employer with 30,000 workers. Those public sector employees have until tomorrow to show that they've been fully immunized. That includes government ministry staff, crown prosecutors, corrections officers, B.C. liquor store staff, child protection workers and others in the public service. The noticeable exception, school teachers and staff. Unvaccinated employees will be put on an unpaid leave of absence for non-compliance. Royal Inland Hospital is facing a health care crisis, including multiple COVID-19 outbreaks, and as a result, surgeries are being cancelled. Global's Taya Fass spoke to a patient inside the hospital who's been waiting for nearly a month for an operation and is now making a desperate plea for help. The nurses, doctors, patients here at the Kamloops Inland Hospital need help. Jackie Paul is a patient at Royal Inland Hospital in Kamloops and posted this video as a cry for help. RIH is facing numerous challenges, including four COVID-19 outbreaks. According to Adrian Dix, the hospital has had to close several operating rooms and pause elective surgeries. Healthcare in Kamloops, which has been... Uh, on overdrive now for month after month after month. As a result, patients like Paul are left waiting and in pain. She desperately wants her operation, but the surgery keeps getting postponed. Let me show you what is a frickin' emergency. This is an emergency. I'm watching my leg absolutely turn black. The place is full of COVID. But my leg, me losing my leg... And my priority, I'm not it. Glenda Power's husband was also in dire need of surgery at RIH, which was unfortunately considered non-emergent, and for weeks he waited. It's been an absolute nightmare. And we can't blame the nurses or the doctors. They are so overworked. Paul says that her surgery has now been rescheduled, but is unsure if it will even happen. If they allow us to eat... In the morning, you know, surgery's off. There is, they cannot plan a date. They cannot say time. They cannot, nothing. 
Between November 3rd and 17th, there were 82 scheduled surgeries postponed in the interior health region, the majority of which were between RIH and Kelowna General Hospital, all due to COVID-19 outbreaks and staffing shortages. Don't get sick. Because you do not want to be here. Global News reached out to Interior Health, but we did not receive a response in time for broadcast. TFS Global News in Kamloops. One person is dead and 13 others are in hospital after a collision east of Prince George this weekend. RCMP and paramedics responded to the crash between a semi-truck and a bus on Highway 16 near the Goat River Bridge Saturday afternoon. The driver of the semi was found dead. Nine bus passengers were taken to hospital with varying injuries. A Good Samaritan drove three others to hospital with minor injuries. Police believe the driver of the semi was traveling east, lost control and struck the bus head on. The officer in charge of the Surrey RCMP is accusing the mayor and his allies of undermining policing. At issue is this tweet by the Safe Surrey Coalition. On it is a picture of a cardboard cutout the RCMP sometimes uses to deter speeders. With the message, only 6% of Surrey residents support keeping the RCMP and their cardboard cutouts. It's time to move forward. The commanding officer of the Surrey RCMP calls this a deliberate attempt to undermine public safety in Surrey by eroding confidence in policing. I felt uh, uh, the mayor and the members of the Safe Surrey Coalition uh, in uh, their chairs as city councillors do have a responsibility to support the Surrey RCMP. Uh, transition is not something that will occur overnight. And uh, the confidence in uh, policing in Surrey uh, needs to be there and the support for police uh, for us to remain effective in this community. The Safe Surrey Coalition releasing a statement this afternoon accusing the Assistant Commissioner of remaining silent while they say critics undermine the legitimacy of the Surrey Police Service. Surrey Police are likely to begin patrolling the RCMP on November 30th. Coming up next, a museum curator's mandate on climate change. There's definitely a fine line to walk there in terms of also not losing the gravity of the situation. How he plans to ensure the crisis gets the attention it deserves without sparking fear. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Fear is not a really productive emotion, and so I don't want to just shock people. A museum's first curator of climate change shares his clear mandate. That's just ahead. But first, a touching moment of appreciation in Abbotsford today as Mayor Henry Braun exited from his latest news conference to update us on the flooding situation. We drew a banner for everyone who's helping with the floods. What did it say? Thank it said, you for helping our city. You're doing a great job. These three siblings have been watching the devastation and how community members and city officials have been coming together to help and, along with their mother, wanted to let the mayor know he's appreciated. So they showed up and surprised him with this hand-drawn sign. The kids got creative in what they wanted to write and we were just having life lessons about how we all have something to contribute, no matter what our age is, and some are contributing with physical labour and some can contribute with gratitude and expressions of thankfulness. 
And on that note, we'll take a moment to appreciate our meteorologist Yvonne Shell, <laughs> who's been working on overdrive this past week, especially keeping us up to date, Yvonne. Yeah, and there's more on the way that we're tracking. So uh, along the south coast for this evening, it's dry conditions, a few clouds in the mix. It'll be cool, though, so keep that in mind for the early morning hours heading out to work or school as temperatures will get down to 2 degrees. And then we've got some rain that is going to start to pick up for the morning hours. Want to start off on the north and central coast, so an atmospheric river still bringing a significant amount of rain and very windy conditions. And this will continue in towards Monday before a bit of a reprieve is on the way and that same system is going to move along the south coast so what we've got in place is the flood potential Stewart is a big area where the drainage could be blocked or overwhelmed across the region that's inland and the flood watch includes areas near Prince Rupert and Haida Gwaii so that remains in effect the following areas and warnings what we are seeing rather is along the northern half of the province now coastal areas as we get in towards tomorrow oh where's my warning map hopefully it'll pop up next but as we get in towards tomorrow and then it's Thursday that we've outlined that will be the big storm and that's the potential that we're tracking across the region. Now the north coast if I don't have the graphic there I did want to highlight that coastal areas could potentially see anywhere between oh someone went into my graphics again there. Okay I'm going to skip ahead. We'll talk about the rainfall amounts 15 potentially up to 60 millimeters that'll be into Friday. Now I don't have what's along the north coast but I really wanted to highlight that the winds potentially with gusts between 90 and up to 110 kilometers per hour. That'll be for coastal areas continuing into the morning hours and areas inland could see up to 80 millimeters millimeters of rain and along the coast up to 90 millimeters of rain and it's really areas near Stewart. We've had snow change over to rain but overnight tonight we're going to see the potential with wet snow and then changing back over to rain through the day for tomorrow. So wet, windy and we've even seen some freezing rain across the region. So flood watch, a big concern and that's along the northern and central regions of the province. Now let's see what we have in place. For the northern half tomorrow there's that system still targeting the north and central coast. It's inland tomorrow that we'll see drier conditions, much the central interior will be underneath a mix of sun and cloud. The southern interior for tomorrow will start to see an increase in cloud cover, but it'll be a bright start to the morning. And then snow develops towards the evening hours. And I did have that for the forecast by tomorrow night, areas along the Coquihalla could see 20, 10 and up to 20 centimetres. The connector between 5 and up to 10 centimetres, but the heavier snow is going to develop for the evening hours on Monday. Much of the south coast, the rain begins in the morning hours. We've got 15 and potentially up to 20 millimetres, but a concern for the areas that have been flooded. We are going to see additional rainfall amounts. Heads up, please continue to be prepared. Tune back in over the next few days. The big storm that'll pack a punch will likely be on our Thursday leading into Friday, where we could see anywhere between 50 and up to 60 millimeters of rain. Nithu? All right, a lot to watch for there. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Toronto's Royal Ontario Museum is tackling climate change in a unique way. The museum has hired climate expert Dr. Soren Brothers to be its first climate curator. While the facility has long included the impacts of climate change in its various exhibits, Dr. Brothers has been given to the mandate to elevate the dialogue on the climate crisis with the goal of affecting public policy. Fear is not a really productive emotion. And so I don't want to just shock people or get people feeling scared about what's happening with climate change. There's definitely a fine line to walk there in terms of also not losing the gravity of the situation, the gravity of the reality of it. Brothers grew up in Toronto and has spent years researching in Europe, Asia and the U.S. The position of climate curator is the first of its kind at any major museum in North America. All right, Barry's here for a preview of what's coming up in sports. Barry. Well, Canucks are on the ice right now against Chicago, trying to make it to two straight wins. And the Canucks, through the first two periods, it's been a fast game, have dominated, but nothing to show for it. Still scoreless, but we will have some of their close calls coming up. And Seahawks, 
were a lot closer this week than they were last week against Green Bay, but uh, they have just dried up. Russell Wilson and the offense did not look good for the second straight week and another loss. And the playoffs and the Seahawks, I don't think, are going to happen this year, unfortunately. Unfortunately, indeed. All right, thanks for that. Also ahead, a one-on-one -on -one with the Premier as he prepares for radiation treatment. When you know it's time to go, you should go, and I, I hope that I'm not there yet. More on his cancer diagnosis and the catastrophic flooding that's hit the province. Stay with us. Watch the Global News and 980 CKNW Leadership Series every Saturday and Sunday in partnership with Fortis BC. That's energy at work. It has been more than two weeks since Premier John Horgan announced he was fighting throat cancer. Richard Zussman has more on how the Premier is doing as he prepares to undergo radiation treatment. Even before radiation begins, this scar serving as an ever-present reminder of Premier John Horgan's battle with cancer. I've got a pretty cool gash on my neck. Uh, on Halloween, I was uh, a good character. My wife wouldn't let me give anything to the kids for fear I would scare them. The lump in his throat now removed, his jaw still swollen from a tooth extraction needed to help prepare for radiation. 35 sessions set through the end of this year. I wouldn't say I'm angry. Uh, I'm grateful that uh, after uh, bladder cancer in 2008 that I'm still here. The bladder cancer was in 2008. Horgan noting he wasn't sure he would make it to 2009. Now 62, he's expecting this time around the radiation will slow him, limiting his ability to speak, but won't stop him. And I, I want to keep working as long as possible. I'm getting uh, just buried in good wishes, uh, Richard, from people of all political stripes right across the country. Deputy Premier Mike Farnworth will fill in any gaps needed during radiation, and Horgan will continue to work through to the end of this week, joking his body is well suited for the treatments. My oncologist said I've stored a lot of energy. Uh, uh, chubby would be another way to say it, but... Uh, so uh, I, I'm as, uh, as well as I can be going into this, and I'm confident that I'll come out of it. The Premier expected to make a full recovery, but even so, the toll of pandemics, floods, fires, and now cancer leads to questions of how long Horgan wants to, or can, do this job. I'd like to think, having observed politics for a long, long time, when, when you know it's time to go, you should go, and I, I hope that I'm not there yet. And he will count on his wife, Ellie, for the final verdict. And when she says it's time to stop, I'll certainly do that. She hasn't said that yet. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Right, time for a break. Barry's back with the full sportscast right after this. Plus. A look at some of the daring rescues of animals trapped during BC's flood emergency. Get your body moving this November. National Kinesiology Week is November 22nd through 28th. Find activities to help you feel better, move better, and live better. Learn how you can participate at nationalkinesiologyweek.ca. Join the BC Lions in the province of BC as they launch the Team Up to End Racism campaign, a school program focused on confronting racism and embracing diversity and inclusion in BC. For info, visit bclions.com. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. In partnership with BCAA, from help at home to on the road, that's the power of BCAA, and it's moving British Columbians forward. 
All right, Barry's here for a full look at sports. Barry, what do you got for us? Well, we're going to start with those Vancouver Canucks. Thanks, Neetu. The uh, Canucks snapped their five-game losing streak the other night against Winnipeg. Tonight, they are looking to post back-to-back wins for just the second time this season. Blackhawks played last night in Edmonton and lost, so the Canucks with a chance to jump on a team that should be somewhat tired. Canucks looking to build on better special teams. Couple power play goals last game, no shorthanded against. Got an early power play and had a flurry of chances against Marc-Andre Fleury, but couldn't score six shots alone on that power play. But Fleury is 12-0-2 in his last 14 versus Vancouver. Likes to play the Canucks. Second period, Brock Besser's got a chance, but he will rip it off the post. Besser stuck on four goals this year, hasn't scored in his last seven and he has hit a lot of iron this year, it seems like. Tyler Mott, big hit on Big Seth Jones into the Hawks bench. Canucks definitely the better team, playing physical, lots of energy, but nothing to show for it. More chances off the rush. Oliver ekman Larson, OEL is SOL. That hits the post. Still scoreless. Late second, Canucks buzzing. Vasily put Colson point blank, but Flurry with the save and yet another one off the post. Scoreless through two. Canucks 30-13 to 13 in shots, but still zeros. Also tonight, Flames in Boston. Calgary playing great hockey, especially on the road where they're 8-2-2 this season. Another strong start. Johnny Gaudreau will hammer home the long rebound. That's his eighth. Gaudreau playing his best hockey right now under Daryl Sutter. It's 1-0 Flames. Second period, Flames win the draw. Matthew Kachuk with the shot. Defenseman Noah Hanfin, what's he doing up there? Fires in the rebound. Hanifin's a Boston boy, so his family in the crowd with his number 55 jerseys. Loving that. Third period, Flames shorthanded. Dylan Dubé, though, on the breakaway. He's stopped. They keep at it. Andrew Mangiapane knocks in his 15th. 14 of them have been on the road. The Flames win again. 4-0. They're first in the Western Conference, if you can believe it. Leafs and Islanders, New York's second game in their new $1.2 billion facility. The UBS Center lost 5-2 to the Flames yesterday in their opener. First period, Isles power play, but it's Mitch Marner scores a pretty one shorthanded. It's 1-0 Leafs, and it's now 2-0 Toronto in the third. The Seahawks had to think Russell Wilson and the offense would be in much better form this week after getting shut out last week in Green Bay. And also helping Seattle's cause, Arizona's starting quarterback, Kyler Murray, wasn't able to go today, still bothered by an ankle injury. Cardinals lost big at home last week with Colt McCoy at quarterback, but McCoy was in better form today. How about a 16-play, 82-yard touchdown drive to start the game? One-yard shovel pass to Zach Ertz, and it's 7-0 cards. Cards scored both times. They got into the red zone in the first half. It's another one to Ertz. Fumble there by McCoy, but recovers, and it's a great throw. 13-3 Arizona. They missed the extra point, but still dominating. Seahawks got in the red zone twice as well, and both times they got field goals. Wilson with a bad overthrow of a wide-open Freddie's uh, uh, receiver there, Everett. That finger has to be bothering him. Seattle fortunate to be down just 13-6 at the half. Third quarter now 16-6. Seahawks finally get a huge play from the defense. Sidney Jones with the diving interception gets up, takes it back to the 11, and the defense is all pumped up, dancing until they overturned it because they said it hit the ground. They didn't have a great replay to show, but Pete Carroll's not happy, and what a difference that was. 67 yards in field position. Uh, Seahawks, do, though, down 16-6 in the fourth, finally get a big play on offense. It's a big 48-yard gain to Tyler Lockett, and that leads 
to their first touchdown in eight quarters. Seattle within three after DJ Dallas takes it in. But once again, the Cards offense drove the field with another long drive. James Conner takes it in, and the Seahawks' misery continues. They fall 23-13. They're now 3-7. and seven. The Cardinals are 9-2 and two and 6-0 and oh on the road. Seattle's playoff chances pretty much done. Packers and Vikings from Minnesota. This was a wild one. Minnesota blew a 13-point lead but took the lead back with just over two minutes to go. Kirk Cousins to Justin Jefferson, 23-yard touchdown, and it's 31-24 for the Purple guys. But the Pack answer right back. Literally their first offensive play after the kickoff. Aaron Rodgers to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. By the time you said his name, it's a 75-yard touchdown. Ties it up 31-31. But the Vikes still had time to answer. And on the final play of the game, Greg Joseph from 29 yards out drills it. And the Vikings beat the pack 34-31. They go to 5-5. Five and five. Green Bay now 8-3. and three. Cowboys and Chiefs from Kansas City. Chiefs will drive the field in their first possession. And it's a unique play. A direct snap to tight end Travis Kelsey, who runs it in from four yards out for the touchdown. 6-0 Chiefs. But it was a low-scoring game. The Chiefs' defense was the difference in this one. They sacked Dak Prescott five times and intercepted him twice, including late in the fourth to seal the deal. And the Chiefs win 19-9. They're 7-4. Cowboys 7-3. And Colts and Bills from Buffalo. And this was a shocker. The Colts destroyed the Bills. Running back Jonathan Taylor, a one-man wrecking crew, scored five touchdowns. This is his second, a 23-yard catch and run from Carson Wentz to make it 14-0. Third quarter, it's Taylor again. This is a 10-yard run for the touchdown. That's number four on the day. And then it's a full handful late in the third. His fifth touchdown, a new team record as the Colts blast the Bills 41-15. The Colts are 6-4. and four. What's going on with Buffalo? They are also 6-4. and four. EPL news, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is out as manager of Manchester United. Man U's really struggled the past month or so. Five losses in their last seven Premier League matches. Just a 500 record after 12 matches. Their seventh, Michael Carrick, who is part of the coaching staff, will take over for Solskjaer as interim caretaker. Premier League today, Manchester City at home to Everton. Zhao Cancelo with the laser service for Raheem Sterling, who will tap it in on the half volley. That's a beautiful goal by City. They're up 1-0, 55th. Giveaway by Everton, and Rodri taking a big run at it, thumps it into the back of the net. A fantastic goal. City win 3-0. They're back in second, three points behind first place Chelsea. Final round of the RSM Classic from Georgia. Canadian Mackenzie Hughes loves this course. Won his only PGA event here in 2016. Had another great day in 8 under 62, including this bending birdie at 18. Finished solo second at 19 under. Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford was 51st. Merritt's Rogers Sloan 61st. But no one could catch Taylor Gooch. Started with a three-shot lead and finished with a three-shot lead. Fires a bogey-free six under 64. Finished at 22 under. Captures his first-ever PGA Tour event, the RSM Classic. Lewis Hamilton starting from the pole at the Qatar Grand Prix. Now staying off the curbs at the new Qatar setup was key. A handful of drivers suffering punctured tires. Valtteri Bottas 
finding out the hard way. Look at all the sparks fly. Back-to-back -back races that nobody, though, could catch. Lewis Hamilton cruises to another checkered flag. 102nd career win. Beat Max Verstappen by 25 seconds. So Verstappen's lead is now just eight over Hamilton in the driver's standings with two races to go. Canadian Lance Stroll was sixth. And women's hockey, Canada and the U.S. from Kingston, Ontario, continuing their nine-game Olympic tune-up series. Canada won the first two last month by 3-1 and 3-2 scores, and Sarah Fillier gave them a 2-0 lead with that nifty deflection, but the U.S. tied it. They went to overtime, and Hillary Knight ends it with her second of the game. So the Americans take it 3-2 in OT. They'll meet again Tuesday in Ottawa, and the Olympics are coming fast, about two and a half months to go, if you can believe it, and we can safely predict that it'll be Canada and the USA women playing for gold because they always do. All right. Thanks so much for that, Barry. Right. And we'll be right back with some of the bold rescues of animals stranded by floodwaters. Stay with us. Well, during a week of deadly landslides and devastating flooding in our province, British Columbians have waded into disaster to save pets and livestock. Kristen Robinson has a look at some of the daring animal rescues. With Sumas Prairie submerged and hundreds of farm animals trapped, the people of Abbotsford jumped in on jet skis and boats, saving sometimes cautious cattle in the heart of BC's agriculture sector. So I saw all the footage of the animals stuck inside, you know, flooded barns and everything. After this high water hurdle, Brian Mira and his buddies launched their boats. So I can't stand by and, and let these animals suffer wading through floodplains and breaking in when authorized to rescue livestock and pets left behind. Can you coax them in the crate? It's okay, buddy. Someone. And just hearing that cat meowing and just that sigh of relief that we actually had found the cat. Are you going there with him? Yeah, go in there with him. In the Nicola Valley, the owners of these horses are used to flooding, but nothing like this. It was shocking at first. Um, then when we saw our horses out in the middle of what we would looks like a lake, standing all huddled together. Yeah, you might hit bottom. Their community rushing in to move the herd, stuck in fast-moving floodwaters for up to 12 hours. It was at least 60 kilometers an hour, at least. I can't even tell it was going so by so fast. Just once we hit it, we were gone. Horse wrangler Hank Chilahitsia fought the current in his motorboat. Go girl, go girl, go my heart would have been shattered into a billion pieces if we lost one horse, so my throat was knotted up all day, and I was tired, cold, thirsty, but I wasn't going to have anything to eat until those horses were on dry land. Never stopped raining at all, and, um, you know, they just stayed right till the bitter end. All 29 animals, safe and healthy, on higher ground. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Just some incredible scenes there, and our thoughts are with everybody, Yvonne, as more weather this week uh, could hinder those efforts. Yeah, for tomorrow we've got uh, anywhere between 15 and up to 20 millimeters, but the big storm that we're keeping an eye on that we'll be tracking will potentially be on Thursday with a significant amount of rain on the way. So be prepared and tune back in with more updates as they become available. Indeed. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Stay safe out there. Krista Dow will be here at 11. Have a great night.